suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Dear listener, this is the second part of the podcast that we recorded last week. So sit back and relax and enjoy the second hour. Just uh, Go ahead. I was going to change topic. Yeah, me too. I was oh. going to say, what about Western Europe? Because uh, Mark takes quite an interest in French and politics as well. Well, well we mentioned Brexit earlier. Yeah, so exactly. given there's an election. Indeed. Well, tomorrow, the, election the election tomorrow, yeah. Right. Uh, have you got any thoughts on Brexit? Well, and, I think and I think Johnson, I think Johnson will probably win with a majority. I don't think mm. Corbyn, from what I can see, is actually. Of course, you know, opinion polls are opinion polls, and so we can't always trust them. But this is what we had discussed before: um, is that Boris Johnson is a completely different prospect in comparison to Theresa May. Theresa May's campaign in 2017 was just absolutely hopeless, and Corbyn showed that he he was disciplined, but. The trouble with the Labour Party in Britain is what they have done um, is that they have alienated quite the voter base with Brexit because a lot of the British people and a lot of them in the Labour constituencies voted in favour of leave. Mm. And as a consequence, because Labour has decided they're going to try and hold this, uh, try and hijack the Brexit process, uh, there's going to be a, 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 there are going to be ramifications tomorrow. I do believe, you know, in, in the north of Britain, um, from what I've heard, um, you know, I've got, a, um, I do believe that the Labour Party is going to be decimated. Now, the Liberal Democrats uh, are hoping to benefit from that, but their campaign has been very lacklustre and full of lies, and they've been exposed gradually. And they're um, pro-Remain as well. They are pro-Remain and want to do everything to stay so within the European So the people who voted Union. for Brexit wouldn't be voting for the Liberal No, Democrats. I can't imagine that they will, no. And they also now don't trust Corbyn because Corbyn has prevaricated, hasn't mm. he, when asked directly? He has. He's, he's, he he's, wants to have a second referendum. Yeah, he does. You know, he wants to, imagine and he's a guy who historically was pro-leaving pro um, the EU. Oh, well, he's, he's a Eurosceptic, always has exactly. been. Um, but... Um, he, like you said, wants a second referendum. So you now just imagine this for a second. You're, 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 you're going to Brussels. We want to organise another, you know, we want to have another deal. Okay, we'll organise it with, with Brussels. Sure, done. We'll take it back to the people. And we're going to campaign against it at the next election. <laughs> just imagine, you know, at a, at a referendum, imagine that. Imagine what Brussels is going to say. No. And what happens if the British people reject the deal? Mm. It, 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 it defies belief. One would hope that the British people have got some sense tomorrow because um, it, it, Britain, Britain just can't keep doing this. It's been three years since the vote yeah. and, and it's being held hijacked. And it's like when, when, when David Cameron took to the, to the people, he never talked about, you know, having a deal. He said it was an in-out referendum. And he said, and, and, and Theresa May as well said, that... When we 
get out of the EU. It will be either with or without a deal. You know, that's, that's what the British people didn't vote on. It was just like, do you want in or out? Mm. We want out. So they voted to leave. And now it's being held up by people who say, oh, you know, this isn't what they voted for. And it's like, that wasn't part of the question. Mm. The question was, did you want to leave the European Union or not? And Cameron didn't think the leave vote would win, did he? Well, I, I think a lot of people didn't believe that. Um, but was Cam- Cameron pro Cameron, Cameron, Cameron voted. Pro Cameron, Cameron was pro-Remain. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, um, and he overestimated his abilities to try and convince people because, you know, <laughs> it, 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 you know there, 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 was a real big, there was a really big split within the Tory party because um, back in 2009 um, when the Labor Party was in power, the, the, the Tories, you know, there was, there was a bit of a move towards, you know, we should, you know, we're probably going to win the next election so we should move towards... Um, you know, uh, renegotiating a deal within the European Union because traditionally the Conservatives have had difficulties with the European Union. Um, and so people like Boris Johnson, people like Michael Gove, you know, these were, you know, David Cameron had a, a, a long-standing friendship with Michael Gove um, and they fell out over the, 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 the referendum. And so the, the Conservatives have and still remain divided about it. Um, so it, it remains to be seen what will happen tomorrow and how things will turn out. But I do believe the, Euro- the I do believe Britain will pull out. Um, uh, so you in, think in the Tories? I, I think the, I think the Tories will win a majority tomorrow, mm. and I do believe that by the end of January they will be out. And you see, because they've got the the legislation in place, which means that Johnson had to go to to Brussels um, to renegotiate a deal and stop them from leaving without a deal. If he wins tomorrow, he can revoke that legislation. Can he? Yes, he can. He can pass his own legislation, revoking it, goes through House of Lords. Mm. That'll be it. Mm. And I, I, personally, I think Britain will be better off outside of the European Union because Europe's got problems coming. Um, okay. Um, this is an interesting yeah, well, It, it so. is because, you know, I don't know if anyone so. here who's sitting here knows this, but France ran out of money last year in November. What do you mean they ran out of They oh. ran out of money. They had yeah. to print more money last year because they've been engaged in a policy of deficit yeah. spending for the last 40 years. Right. Um, are, Europe, they allowed, are they allowed to print money? Well, that will, because they have no choice, really, because, you know, when you so run France out of money. So France can print euros? Well, I think it's done in Frankfurt, but um, right. they, they had to because they, they ran out of money. Um, and there has been... And the Germans and print prob- their money for them. That's interesting. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> Imagine that, yes. Well, of course, they don't like, print money these days. No, you well, simply no, well, sit at the it, computer and you just type in a number and give it to your central bank and well, say, there you go, no, you've no, got no. it. So you don't uh, even bother printing it anymore. But, <laughs> but don't you have to print but, currency for, yeah, to a don't. certain degree? No, no all that quantitative easing, you don't print money. Seriously. So there's just a computer so in, it's the, just numbers central, being shuffled in the central bank banks. where they basically just mm. uh, start a ledger and they just go uh, $1 trillion, mm. and now we will start distributing it to um, So our, it's a fancy kind of IOU in a sense. <laughs> it is. It's, it's not yeah, very it fancy. When you it's look not very at, fancy, though. When you look at the nuts and bolts, that's all it is. They don't Ooh. physically print this money anymore. Yeah. So it's an illusion, isn't it? Well, money it is, is right. an illusion. Yeah. Money well, pretty is soon, an illusion. Pretty soon we won't be using faith. money, we'll just be using plastic like we have been for years. Yeah. But um, you, you see, this is the problem for... Places like Greece and countries like that where 
they don't have their own currency. They can't print their own money mm. and devalue their currency. Uh, Britain, on the other hand, retain the pound. So they yep. do control their currency. So if anyone really could stay in the union, uh, it would be Great Britain because they've maintained fiscal control. Well, so, so has Denmark. Denmark so, still <coughs> has the kronor. Oh, so that's Sweden. So yeah, that's, and Sweden. That, yeah. That's a huge advantage. So Absolutely. And that, that, this is something me and the better half have actually said. We think Britain would be better off staying in there and just being an absolute pain in the bum and actually saying well, to it's them. Well, right. it's been part of British foreign policy Absolutely, in for Europe a long for the past time, 500 that's what, years. That's what they should what have, do. What have, they, what have they done? It's like we've done everything. So we, we, couldn't, we couldn't divide Europe. I'm sorry, I'm now quoting Sir Humphrey Appleby from Yes, Prime Minister. <laughs> it's like, we, so, you know, we, 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 couldn't, we couldn't break up Europe from without, so we had to go, go in. And now, we've, now we're a member of, we can make a complete pig's breakfast. Of it all, you know? We set the Germans <laughs> against the Italians, the yeah. French against the Germans. It's just like old times, you know. <laughs> but they're not foreign leaves. officers just say, so, so, please. So I can see a case for countries like Greece to get out, but I don't see the case I don't case think that they have the, the, they're in the financial situation to actually get out. They're not in the financial position to stay. Well, so. they're not yes, either. They're not leaving, the UK isn't leaving the EU for financial reasons. No, they're, they're, they're leaving there are multiple for reasons multiple. of this, this political is my, autonomy. This is my point. I think places like Greece have a good financial reason to get out, mm. whereas I don't think Britain has that financial reason. So... It's, well, I, this it's, is a, it's a political point. reason, and I don't well, think the politics well, necessarily stack up for Great Britain. Why, uh, why do you think Great Britain should, should pull out? See, I think that they'd be better off staying because you've got all these banks and that sort of stuff located in London mm. that could very easily move to Dublin because they'd still be part of the EU and they'd still be an English-speaking country. And... Or even worse, they could end up in Frankfurt. But aren't you speaking with your accountant's hat on now? Absolutely I am. Because my understanding is that the, the, the Leave vote won. Uh, it was people who wanted to, to get back their parliament, and their democracy. Yeah, it I wasn't for economic that. reasons at all. I understand that. Oh, well, there are actually economic reasons to pull out of the European Union. I mean, there's a sovereign crisis coming, if anyone's been paying attention. Um, like I said, France ran out of money last year. They're in a serious economic glut. But being Eight in the point, Eurozone, yes, what yes, can they do know, about well, that? They, well, they, they can't really do much because, you know, they've got unemployment sitting at 8.7%. Uh, they've got a GDP deficit or GDP debt of, I think it was 97%. Um, the, is this the France debt, we're talking about? This is France we're talking yeah. about now. Now, I want to hear from the British people, do you want to bail out France when it collapses? No. <laughs> because, you know, and, and, and this is just what problems the Europeans face, is that number two and number three economies are in serious crisis. You know, France, like I said, 8.7% unemployment. Trade, uh, not trade debt, um, deficit, uh, sorry, um, the GDP, 97%. Uh, of debt, and they're currently pushing. I think the last, the last deficit was two over two billion. So they're now sitting on eight trillion. Aren't there rules that, as part of yeah, the they're European supposed to stay Union, below the three percent formulas yeah, and percentages that you must? They're stick supposed to, to stay below the three percent, three percent of GDP. But France hasn't done it for years. Um, 
Italy. Uh, so, so doesn't Brussels then take control well, Brussels has and got tell to, France well, they, like they, they did? Get, they're going to slap them on the hand because yeah. Paris dominate. You know, I mean, there yeah. are two countries that dominate the European yeah. Union. France and Germany. France and Germany. Yeah. And what's Brussels going to do to, 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 to Paris? What are they going to do? Slap them on the hand and say, hey, don't do it. That was Britain's role was to be the sort of foil between the two of them to sort of yeah, um, and and yeah. and Italy's in the same same boat, and I mean even Spain as well should probably pull out. It's got unemployment. See, Europe has see. I agree with has, you on those encumbered. You know, since the financial crisis, really hasn't grown. The only country that has is Germany, but Germany is going to have problems in the next couple of years because one, if you have a look at the current voting trends. There's been the rise of the alternative uh, alternative party for Germany. Um, in the last two elections in the states in the east, um, the AfD won 25 and 30 percent of the vote, and so now Sorry, we who's have the, who's the AfD? Have, who's yeah, the, this is the AfD alternative what? for Deutschland. This is this is the alternative. For the Germany right party. is this the right wing? This is yeah. Got 20, they're, 20%. They're, they've got 25%. They started as an anti-immigration party. They actually started as an anti-euro. Oh, really? Um, okay, yeah. so they're a nationalist sort of group. They yes. are. And, 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 they, and, and they got 20% they in got, the last well, They election. got 25% in Saxony. They got 30% mm. in saxony Anhalt. And they've only been around for a few years. Yeah, well, I think 2014, 2013. That's a very rapid that's rise. A hu- it is a huge rise, but that's also because the Germans are pissed off. You know, the, the, the euro crisis, um, when they bailed out Greece because Greece had bankrupt. Well, well, they Greece, didn't bail them out. Well, they did because Greece had bankrupted no, no, itself. No, they, they just they, they didn't wipe away the debt. No, they no, no, no. Said, they, they, said, they just said yep. more. Well, they, yeah, here's more. You owe more. You have to pay it back and the Greeks have paid it back. Um, the Greeks have paid it the back. Greeks have paid back the Greeks have paid back the requirements for the International Monetary Fund. Have they paid European it back? The yes, the new, the new, that came out in the news the other day. Okay. The Greeks um, have paid back yes, so, the debt that they took on. Yeah. How? Well, I don't know. I haven't followed. They sell um, the rest of the Elgin marbles. Maybe they're saying like Crete. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 my when, understanding when, was the debt was such it was impossible for Greece. Two hundred and fifty billion. Greece so let's let's get back to, to, to Germany. To pay back its debt, it was two hundred and fifty billion, and one hundred and twenty billion euros was forked out by the Germans. There as a loan. That as a loan to you know as a part of this deal with Greece that they pay it back. That 120 billion euros of German taxpayers' money loaned was loaned to get but, Greece out of this mess. But but Germany created the mess. How? Because they they basically uh, lent the mo- the German banks lent the money to the Greek banks when they shouldn't have but because they, they were clearly. Bad. Uh, well, you know, that might debts. be the case, so, but also one needs to consider so. that the Olympic Games actually bankrupted in Greece. Yep. You know, it's they've oh, they've, really? they've 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 like, they've been like France. They have spent the last forty like, years like, with deficit budgeting. You can't you can't do this long term. This is what happened in France last year when they ran out of money. Forty years of deficit budgeting, uh, instability, and like, the Olympic like, Games, which bankrupted it. Hang on, which is the case then? Has Greece repaid the debt to the German banks or are the German no, no, banks no, no, good this guys is, this because they... to the European Union. It's like Ireland because Ireland is now out of debt. Um, so the Greeks... Where was I? I've forgotten. 
The Greeks. How did the Greeks pay back? Oh, no, 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 no. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just getting, well, they have apparently. Um, okay. I have completely forgotten where I was. Right. That's. <laughs> oh no 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 the Germans that that's that's right you know the Germans let them the 120 because they had to hand over 120 what, billion what euros what really need to happen was Greece needed to be able to wipe off that debt and mm. start afresh and the Germans wouldn't let them so well, it's German money so well but it's like when you we have bankruptcy laws and 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 insolvency laws for a reason yeah because there's no point in saddling people with debt that they can't um, they can't repay. Plus, it teaches a lesson to the lender to say, be careful where you lend your money because mm. it might be wiped out under a bankruptcy or an insolvency provision. Mm. So you need to be careful. And the same needs to apply at a country level. So yeah. countries need to be able to say, and Yanis Varoufakis was insistent that Greece needed to um, have that debt wiped because it had been um, it was impossible for them to repay and and German banks needed to, to pay a price for that but it wasn't done that way so, so you think the they just borrowed more and more I can't believe oh uh, yeah, between now and the next episode but I can't believe Greece has borrowing. repaid the debt a lot of countries in the European Union are borrowing. Mm. Um, I, I, we've talked about this before about France. From? I mean, well, you know, France has got 57% of its external debt outside of France, owned by, you know, the British, the Germans, the, the, the United States are exposed because they own some of that debt. So do the Chinese. Um, its debt at present is about 8 trillion euros. Um, and that's a but result. As a percentage of GDP? It's 97.1%. But are there a lot of countries around that figure? Uh, some of them are, but mostly not. Japan is much no. higher. It's 135.1%. What's the US? The US, as far as I saw, was um, I think about 45 or 46%. Don't mm. quote me on that. I'm not mm. quite sure. Mm. I, that's what I saw, but I'm not quite sure whether it was for 2019 or wherever they are. So. Mm. Yep. One of the reasons I like the idea of Great Britain staying, because I didn't know myself, I was jumping from one to the other in terms of Great Britain staying in the European Union, was that Rupert Murdoch, when he goes to um, the British political system, everybody has a meeting with him and talks to him. When he goes to Brussels, nobody talks to him. That's because he's nobody. Exactly. And I think that's an important thing when when the Brussels sort of bureaucrats aren't sort of So your major political in, decisions revolve around whether or not Rupert Murdoch well, gets well, somebody gets or a, not or, gets a hearing. Or, or other oligarchs. It's a symbol of the power of the oligarchy. Yeah. And I think yeah, But that, you don't think the EU is a symbol of oligarchy? Well, well, I've just given the example of an oligarch who found that he did not have the power that he had. Otherwise, so that that's so just my anecdotal example mm. of an oligarch who's found that actually th- that bigger system can afford to say, "Fuck you, Rupert." So, I'm not, so, we're not talking to so you. So Brexit and is all get, about Rupert and, Murdoch, and, he and he's <laughs> not getting what he wants. Well, really? well, it's not all about it. I'm just giving an example of of a reason why it would be a good thing for the Great Britain to stay in the EU because guys like that with enormous power actually have less influence. And no doubt he's, with his newspapers, promoted a line that's in his interests. 
He may well have, but I, I, I really think that's so condescending to the British public to say that they are so easily manipulated by one oligarch that they all voted to leave just because he told them to. If the oligarch controls all the, the media, then why wouldn't they be but, influenced? But again, that's assuming that people are so easily swayed yeah, by the media. Paul, I but think what they, they, the media really, has an influence. Yeah, okay, I Paul. give you that. They have an influence. Paul, but but the, people still have their own minds. Yeah, and those people that had made up their mind to leave had already made their mind up. Those people that remain, wanted to remain had already made their mind up. It's in the middle, and that's where it's most important. That's where the influence comes from is in those middle. Yeah. I mean, this is where all the billions of the millions of dollars that are spent in an Australian election campaign, it's aimed at the middle. Yes, we know that. It's the swinging and voter. It's a swinging voter. And that's election. exactly that's exactly yeah. what they were doing over there in Britain too. They were aiming at those people that weren't hadn't quite made their mind up. Yeah. I still don't like the idea that Brexit is all about Rupert Murdoch. No, I don't think it's all about I, Rupert I'm Murdoch. I'm not saying either. it's all about Rupert Murdoch, but I'm saying for me personally, one of the Strong but, decision. But you want them to stay to spite Rupert Murdoch. No, because it's an example that, that powerful <laughs> oligarchs have less power in the European system yeah. than they do. Oh, they're they own do oligarchs in Europe than, anyway. Than they do. Yeah, in I the, would have thought the Europeans would than have their own they do in the standalone system. Yeah. But their power is less. This is my point. <sighs> I don't know. Is their power any less? Well, in well, well, I've just given you an example of Rupert Murdoch, one of the most powerful men in the world, can walk into 10 Downing Street whenever he likes, but when it comes to Brussels, they tell him to fuck off. So there's an example, and there would be other examples. Yeah, but, you know, I think the British people deserve a little bit more respect than just... Uh, Why is it disrespectful to say... Because you're basically saying they're just pawns of Rupert Murdoch and, and, his, and his empire, you know? Well, I'm saying that all populations are, are pawns of... of manipulation through the media, and if you don't think they are, then you're being naive. Oh, look, I, I know that they are to some degree, that they're influenced. I just don't think they are so totally manipulated in all their decisions. Well, that's a hard one to quantify. It's very it? hard to quantify, I agree, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> what, other, what other topics do we want to cover? Any comments? <laughs> um, the accountant I, I, I of the group. Just, just, while, while we've still got Mark here on world affairs at all or, or not. Well, it's interesting to get Mark's perspective, particularly on Russia and uh, Germany and France, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, if we got time, I'd like to talk about Turnbull's saying the right has gone nuts. Oh, yeah, okay. So, did he right. say that? He, he did. did. Okay, he let's did. go back to What domestic. was he thinking? Well, actually, I'll tell you what he said. I've got it because I've got a clip here. Good. Good. Oh, you ready for this? Yeah. Here Absolutely. we go. All right. Oh, hang on. I'll stop that and I'll start again with, with the volume up. Let me try that again. <laughs> on, this, you know, on the right, they are treating what should be a question of physics and science and economics and engineering as though it were an issue of religion and belief, and it's nuts. Nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Well, good on you, Malcolm. First question, what did he do when he was Prime Minister? Okay. Battled he the, was, but battled he the nuts. Battled the nuts until the nuts rolled him. Exactly. Right? And I am a, I am very much a Turnbull fanboy oh, here. Oh, that's okay. So <laughs> I loved Malcolm okay. Turnbull. 
And even though it caused all sorts of ructions with me and the better half, I loved Malcolm Turnbull because Malcolm Turnbull was a decent human being and now we've replaced him with a nutter. Well, I have to say I agree with the replacement. Replacement? Yeah, I have to say I agree that Turnbull was better than the nutter. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Anyway, so and he's right, you know, he is right when he calls out the right wing of the Liberal Party that they're saying that they're treating this as a matter of religion and belief and they're nuts. Yeah. And that is what they are. Mm. They are complete yeah. nuts. Yeah. A guy like Stuart Robert. Oh, he's a lunatic. Who, Pentecostal church goer. Yeah. Uh, he and his wife led a $5,006 a head 14-day Treasures of Grace tour in Israel where they were baptising people in a muddy creek. In the Jordan River, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, and you think that guy's a bit of a nutter? They're living the biblical dream. He's a Don't com- take away their biblical dream. <laughs> he's a complete nutter. Yeah. He's- you know, he's... It's just... He's one of ScoMo's prayer group. I know he's one of ScoMo's prayer groups. What he says, he said... I've lost it. You've lost it too now, have you? Oh, whoops. No, he said something about... He said that you're going to be walking in the steps of Jesus or something like that. Oh, dear. You know, it's just... Yeah, it's I cannot believe that people in this day and age... I cannot believe that... In this day and age, you've got sensible men who actually say this sort of nonsense in public. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Absolute they do, garbage. with a straight face. And the reason they get up and say it repeatedly is because nobody calls them out. Nobody says, are you joking? You exactly. believe that there's a sky fairy in the sky? I mean, it, nobody it will call them out publicly. It doesn't publicly. matter. People can call them out. It doesn't matter. These are the people who have bothered to get into positions of power Indeed. and all the other people barking from the sidelines, you're wasting your breath. Yes. You've got to get into a political Absolutely. party because they just don't care. Exactly. If you're not so, in parliament, you're not in the game, yeah, are you? No. So, And these people are prepared to get in there they and get dirty. So, now, I am about to join the Australian Labor Party. Are you really? So, yeah. Good on you, Scott. So, That'd be good. You're going to white ant the ALP now, are you? No, I'm not going to white ant the ALP. <laughs> I, just gonna, I, I, I would love to actually get involved. I'd love to do what Trevor said, get in the ear of one of them and actually say to them, you guys are nuts if you give any anything, you could give any ground to this. Scott, yeah? I'll back you. You do it. Yeah. Go in there and tell the Labor Party to grow a spine and get rid, I mean, seriously, throw out the, the, the Sky Fairy believers and, uh, you know, establish a real secular, secular. rational Labor Party. Mm which is what it should always have been. When you're there, could you find out who the Labor insider is who, when speaking about uh, Stuart Roberts, said, this is a bloke who the taxpayer is paying and instead of representing the Gold Coast, he's overseas swimming with his mates. In the who does he River. think he is, the fucking messiah? <laughs> <laughs> if you could find that Labor Party insider. You'd like him to appear on the podcast, I would, would you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would join the Labor Party, except in this role here where I want to try and be a commentator and stuff, yeah. there's, a, there's a problem. You have more influence here, Trevor. There's, there's a problem where if you have to keep declaring your membership of the Labor mm. Party, potentially yeah. it could cause a problem. Otherwise, I would. Mm. So if you're out there listening and, you, and you're bemoaning what's going on, mm. you should be joining the Labor Party and agitating. 
Um, so yeah. Yeah. Did you come across that article, uh, Nathan Reese? Recently, uh, he was saying, if the Labor Party doesn't fix itself up, it's going to be in the wilderness for a very long time because. As you know, they they when did they last win an election in in New South Wales? It's it's two thousand because it was the last premier of New South Wales who was Labor. I think was uh, Keneally. That's right. When was she? She was thrown out. I think either in two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve. Yeah. So it's been seven years. See, I, I just know the current premier uh, Barry Zicklian just announced that she wasn't going to do anything about um, the pills, testing of pills at, at That's raves right. and things like That's that. Right. I thought to myself. The problem with these people is they're so busy uh, with their duties and with um, sort of politics stuff. I bet you she's had no time to read about drugs and legalisation and alternative views and and what really drives drug abuse and her, her, the ability of these people to spend time and actually read books would be mm. zero. They're so flat out. Mm. So... You know, it needs people who've got time or inclination to talk to these people mm. and say, hey, have you heard this idea or that idea that is, you may not have heard from the department? Look, she has had people in her ear and, and very well-informed people. Even the former head of the AFP has come out and said that war on drugs was a complete schmozzle, mm. waste of time and money, mm. and criminalised people that Did shouldn't he, have been He told her that as well. Oh, he's been telling everybody for okay. a, a good few years now. Right. So she couldn't have ignored every. She couldn't have not heard him. I don't think. Mm. But she's chosen a line. She's chosen a conservative social line, yeah. which is just say no. You know the old Nancy Reagan slogan. Yeah. Uh, it, it appeals to her conservative voter base. I think. Don't you reckon? Absolutely, it does, yeah. and that's, mm. that's that's why she's doing it. Mm. That's why she was very cold on voluntary assisted dying yeah. too. Now, did they have a vote in, in New South yeah, Wales uh, or not? Western Australia. Western Australia has yes, just legalised right. it. Yes, but I thought New South well Wales. Well done, Western Australia. Absolutely, mm. well done, WA. And if you're listening, Palace Chook, we're next. <laughs> we should have this. We should have this now before the next election, just in case you lose. Yes. Which is Get a possibility. Done. Get it because done. Because if you lose, you cannot uh, you cannot guarantee that the Bible clap happy thumper mob on the other side are going to let it go through. Mark, do you speak Polish? No. Uh, because I was told. I know someone who speaks Polish. Though. Could you ask? I've been told that Anastasia Palaszczuk, our premier. Mm. Her, the pronunciation of her name is in Polish, Palaszczuk. Okay. So <laughs> I'll check. So I'll check and I'll get could, back to you on okay, that. Okay. And she's, she is our Palaszczuk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone who's got Jackie Trad and she obviously has to. Uh, well, <laughs> Jackie she is Trad. A piece Jackie Trad. What, what did she do? Okay. <laughs> what did Jackie Trad do? What did Jackie Trad do? What she did was not that bad. In fact, it was pretty innocuous. Yes. But... The investment property? The investment yeah. property didn't look good. Correct. And she didn't actually step out of cabinet when they were discussing the... Positioning of positioning the station. Of the station and blah, 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 blah. Mm. So that's what she did. But now, it was fairly innocuous, mm. but... A bad look. It was a very bad look, and that's why it's blown up in her face. And she's since uh, disposed of it, I think. And she's sold it, yeah. Yeah. You know, 
That's another example of the Murdoch press being able to run that story for months and months. It wasn't a legitimate concern? It was, but if it happened to a, a, uh, an LNP member, there's no way I'm the Courier-Mail so sure. would have run it as hard and as long as it has. Maybe not the Courier-Mail, but somebody but, but, would have picked but, it up. But the Courier-Mail is the newspaper the of Brisbane. newspaper of Queensland. And... You know, Murdoch Press has all of the regional papers in Queensland. So that's just an example of that's an example of that insidious influence mm. that a media baron has because uh, they've been able to go hard and go long mm. on a story that really didn't have that much legs. Like, okay, it's not a good look. It wasn't the right thing, but it's gone on and on, and that's because of the Courier Mail, in my view. So Maybe. anyway, when it comes to assisted dying in Queensland, Deb Frecklington the LNP opposition leader, mm-hmm. has said she's going to give a conscience vote for her yeah, members. It would be exactly the same conscience vote that she gave on abortion, which was ignored by the party executive. That's right. Yes, although three members did choose to exercise. Very bravely. Yes, yes. they did choose to exercise their conscience and they voted with the government, with the yeah, ALP yeah. and they've all had their uh, pre-selection question. That's right. Let and me, they know they'll yeah. be kneecapped next time they try. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Let's compare someone like Angus Taylor with his doctoring of the uh, uh, travel expenses for the Sydney Council. Oh, right. Gone from the newspapers. Is it the Murdoch really? Press? Yes. Gone. Okay, the but, Sydney Morning but, Herald's if, been running it though, haven't yeah, they? Well, I don't. They're, they're, they're part of you, nine papers. You, you, won't, you yeah. won't see that in the Murdoch Press again. But if compared to Jackie. Trad. It's a classic example of how they run hard on things and bagging people. And meanwhile, um, Angus Taylor will, you know, it's it's all done and dusted. He'll just keep going. Although there are suggestions that he has seriously uh, compromised his own political career. What do you think? Will it have a long-term impact on his career? Because he had an eye on the being... Prime Minister at one stage. Possibly. As they all do. Everyone entering politics does. So, yeah. Um, you would have made a great so, Prime Minister, Trevor. No, I still would. You have I still reluctant will. Prime Minister? I, I still will. <laughs> you still will, of course. <laughs> <laughs> when, be, when the Russian bombs <laughs> land and we're oh, reduced to, to a dystopian, dystopian future, yeah. there's about 1,500 of us left. When Brisbane looks like Sydney's been looking the last <laughs> few days. That's oh, it. God. That's when it'll happen. Just back to Angus Taylor, um, asked about um, should the Prime Minister have stood him down? 35% say uh, yes and 17% say no and 48% say I have not been following the issue. Oh, really? Yeah. So Mm. you can behave like a complete dickhead and nobody cares. But we know the average voter is pretty complacent about federal politics, don't we? Do you think most voters, I think they're more interested in state elections than federal elections? Well, you know, that's that's reflected. You don't think so? I don't know. They're not interested in any of them. Any of them, yeah. Yeah. Until we have some tough times like with the having Europe, uh, then because you've got all these parties cropping up, as you just mentioned before, with... 25% 25% well, Vorsen, of the Nationalist Vorsen, Party. And, Vorsen in and, Spain is, is, um, is on the rise as well. Yeah. And, it was and what pa- sort of party pa- is that? It's not the right wing. Yeah. And there was P- Podesta, was it? Or, or um, what was Spain? Was There was... Um, oh, you're talking about... Um, uh, Pod- 
Potter or something? Uh, Podemos. Podemos. They sort of came up from nowhere. Uh, yeah. But in response to really tough times. People they're paid attention. They're a left-wing party. Though, yeah. Just saying. People paid attention. Um, right. What else have I got here? Oh, Medivac. So against the government wishes, we passed legislation about bringing ill or injured refugees mm. in for treatment mm -hmm. and the government managed to get Jackie Lambie to cut a deal and get her vote so that they were able to repeal that mm. legislation. Two things. One is this whole idea that we've got islands off our coast that somehow we control but the Australian law does not apply to is complete bullshit. It's like bizarre. it should not be allowed... <laughs> That the reason they're on that island is because our normal asylum seeker rules we've just decided don't apply to them. Yeah. It shouldn't be possible. It just, that's one thing. Yeah. Second thing is, so Scott, to your knowledge, have you been following it? Jackie Lambie said, I'm agreeing to this and I've but cut I a deal. I can't tell you why. And I've done a deal that I can't tell you. It's about national security. Mm. Right, but I can't tell you what it is. Here's my question: what what possible thing in terms of national security could Jackie Lambie have wanted that the government wouldn't have been happy to give? Because they're all over national security. Exactly. Any, any draconian law that she might have wanted for national security, they would. She be, didn't have be, to bargain for. No, they, they would just give it to her. Exactly. But it's not so, a law so, as such so, that she wants. We don't it? know what she's. No, getting. we don't. But I, I don't. I don't. Get the feeling it's about passing a law. It's I, about I, something else, and I don't know what it is either. And, but and, what could it? Because she and, is and ex, if, she is ex-military, yeah, of course. And these guys are all sort of pro-military and yeah. pro, you know. Do you think it's uh, so, so, greater care for but, veterans or something like that? Well, but that's, but, that's, but that's, as if she had to twist their arm on that, they just they just I, give I, that to her. You know, this is the whole point. She's it's, an easy buy-off, though. Well, isn't she, she is, but you know, this is the whole point. She said that she had to do this for national security reasons, which means that she must have swallowed the line that having Medivac in place was going to encourage more boats to arrive. Mm. Now, that is absolute nonsense mm. because that Medivac was only applying to those people that were currently incarcerated in our officer concentration camps, mm. I mean detention centres. Yeah. Now, Please don't use the word concentration camp. That's, <laughs> uh, that's that. <laughs> well... well. That's what they are. They are concentration well, no, camps. No, sorry, no, there, there's no evidence of forced labour occurring in a concentration camp. Well, fair That's what happens in a concentration camp. Anyway. Not, not always. Well, well, no, a lot of, the, a lot they're, of They're a method of containing people uh, an, and an, controlling An ethnic minority them. controlled in, in a jail. Mm. A, I mean, it started a concentration with... concentration. I, 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 I would minority. recommend you go to mm. Dachau and to mm. Breslau. Yes, but it started with the British in South yes, Africa. Yes, I'm not... Yeah, yeah but they still... And that was just to control the, the Boers, mm. you know, to, to limit their um, ability to resupply the guerrillas. Anyway, I apologise for getting off the track. But, you know, That's it's... Right. Um, I think that she must have swallowed that government line that it was going to restart the boats. Now, the boats haven't restarted. Do you think? I, d I don't think she really cares that much. I don't think she has really that much deep conviction about the refugees either way, but she sees it as a, as a way of buying a little bit of favour from the she's government probably for bought, She's probably for bought some, some favour for, for so, Tasmania. Yeah, yeah. Some, some pet project of hers. 
that mm. she thinks will make her feel like she's serving her constituents. Yeah, apparently, you know, all the talk is that they're going to actually get the New Zealand offer on the table again. Mm. Now, that is to take 150 people per annum from the people that are currently incarcerated mm. on Nauru and Manus Island. If that's the case, it'll be all done within five years. Mm-hmm. Now, that's assuming the United States stops immediately, the Yanks, the Yanks no longer resettle anyone else. Mm. And then they'll just get them all done in five years. Mm. But oh, I don't know. That's a pretty pr- depressing prospect for the people on those islands, another five years for some of them. Absolutely. But, yeah, I think Jackie Lambie, frankly, is a, is a, 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 ba- a babe in the woods. She's I, an in- I, intellectual lightweight. Very lightweight. Yeah. And I think she's completely out of her depth. Absolutely. As an operator in federal politics. Yeah. You don't think so, Trevor? I don't know about that. Gee, she doesn't come across as a very sophisticated person to me. Like you compare Maybe her to Brian Harradine because, you know, they always, they always make this um, comparison between her and Brian Harradine because Brian Harradine was an independent from Tasmania yeah, also. Yeah. But Brian Harradine was a hell of a lot smarter. I think so. He was a lot shrewder mm. and he got a hell of a lot of stuff from ta- for Tasmania mm. because he was insistent on dealing with the government. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Don't I, don't, I, I agree don't she's not she's a very sophisticated shrewd. person, not very but shrewd. I think she might be street smart. Mm, street smart. I think she might be. Anyway, we'll wait and see. speaking of smarts, apparently Australian students uh, are falling behind in standards. <laughs> so there's a study done by a group called PISA. Yeah. And um, so they... Go around the world in 2018, it was sat by 14,000 15 year old Australians from 740 schools, mm-hmm. joining 600,000 students from 79 countries. So it's an opportunity to compare how our kids are going compared to other OECD kids. Mm-hmm. And apparently, they really dropped a lot in terms of mm. uh, math, science, and reading. Mm. Were you, cons- as an educator, Man, so what's concerned? going wrong? Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I I haven't given it a lot of deep thought. What do you think, Mark? What's going wrong with the Australian education system? I think the education systems in the toilet. Um, there's not a lot of well, as far as I'm concerned, at least there's not enough um, emphasis. Um, the curriculum is aimed, you know, the Australian national curriculum is aimed at the wrong level. This is, I don't know who actually organised it, but it, it looked like a bunch of, of, of theorists who don't actually understand education. Yeah. And, you know, I... I, I so a lot of competing... There are a lot of, of competing theorists. Modern theorists throw, who think that they're in, going throwing to... Throwing in their, 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 their ways... Revamp the like education revamp system. The education system. Look, I came system. across one thing, if I may, yep. and it's uh, from the principal of a private school uh, what's the school called I forget the name of the school but this is what she said at a you know a, a, a presentation night at the school she, this was addressed to the parents and the students I think she said the original school of the western tradition began in an olive grove outside of Athens where Plato taught his students about life about wisdom and about how, not what, to think. Now, this to me, this sounds very promising coming from a principal. In other words, it's not all about 
getting ready for a job, you know, which is what, the, you know, the, the, the doctrine we've been fed for the last few decades, you know, school is about preparing kids for the, for the world of work. She went on to say, today, a key challenge in education is to reclaim the spirit of that sacred olive grove so young people are not swayed by the charisma of certainty, the noisy flood of opinions and the offence and outrage that does a poor job of masquerading for maturity and wisdom. Now that brings to mind a few of a few of the recent events in our uh, social uh, mm. history, doesn't it? You know, school kids leaving school to go and and march for a political cause. To me, they, they a lot of these kids thought that they were demonstrating their maturity beyond the years. To me, it was extreme naivety. But anyway, I know you disagreed with that, Trevor. <laughs> But anyway, I'll go on just a little bit. She says, the volume of this daily noise tends to drown out anything other than binary and dogmatic rhetoric. You are either in or you are out. You understand it or you don't. You're right or you are wrong. But just because there is noise doesn't mean there is wisdom. There is a lot of noise around standardised testing such as PISA and NAPLAN. Ranking a child, giving them a mark is one-dimensional at best. You cannot take a photo of a child and say you know them. Education is more than skills taught or marks given. Knowledge matters, but even knowledge must bow to wisdom. We educate for a purpose, not for a mark. And I thought, good on you, school principal. Well spoken. Apparently, this PISA test does not assess basic skills and is instead focused on higher order thinking. Mm. So... That's disturbing that our high-order thinking has... Has gone down. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not sure enough emphasis is actually going into it, really. Mm. But the other thing I always think about with these things is, really, in everyday life, how much maths do you need? Like, Not a hell of a lot. You know, like really? what, what you learnt up to about grade 8, if you, you really can get away with it, and if you, if you just didn't, and, and you're already well, you're an accountant, so you yeah. might have more oh, need. I might but, have a little bit more need, but no, not but, not but, a. But, but I grade ten, I think I could have maxed out it really yeah, with mathematics. Yeah, Gee. I, I mean, how often do you have to do a mathematical calculation in adult life? I wish I could do math. But, I really would. But, but how often wish do I you need it? You don't. Oh, uh, I was trying to calculate. I, I was thinking of purchasing some goods the other day and I was trying to calculate what was the percentage discount I was getting on the price offered. Right. And I had to ask a, a friend to do the calculation for me. Right. Okay. Well, that would have been great, eh? Percentages? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, I, you know, I just... Sometimes think a lot of that stuff is. I think I agree with you that how to think, sort of critical, mm. how to think sort of stuff is at least is, is as important. important, isn't it? But, but there's Probably a lot more of more important, more important. Yeah, yes, but you know, a lot of the stuff that you do, particularly in eleven and twelve, it's really you um, can get away with not doing it. Yeah. It's, it's do just yeah. Hello? Oh, Mrs. Mrs. Fist is looking through the doorway and saying, what the hell are you doing still podcasting? Peace, Mrs. Fist, peace. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm, I look at those results and I think partly to myself, I think I wonder the Chinese did very well, but yeah. in the world of tomorrow, sort of lateral thinking, social skills, 
design skills, aesthetic skills, mm. uh, the sorts of skills, people skills, social yeah. skills. These are the skills that you will need because they can't be taken by a computer. I mean, we're obviously going to need some people with higher order maths, but mm. not that much of a percentage of the population if we um, – it's sort of one anyone of the things, does, one of the thoughts that comes through my head. When anyone I see who this. does engineering needs to know trigonometry and that sort of shit, right? Clearly, engineers need yeah. that level of maths, but we're not all engineers. Like most of us, you well, know, quite a lot of engineers needed in the modern world, though, aren't there? Well, no, how, how many are needed? Well, really? they keep how, talking how, about STEM and that sort of thing. They're saying mm. that's where the jobs are going to be in the future. Yeah. So. I think things like design um, yeah. and social Look, skills are far more important. We've talked about that course in uh, Western Civilization. Ooh, yeah. That was controversial. Yeah. Now, I came across the syllabus last night, and I, f I didn't yeah. think to bring it today. I'm sorry. Mm. I'll bring it next week. This is the Ramsey Centre. Let's talk about it because I think it's highly relevant. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the syllabus? No, but the problem with the Ramsey Centre. I, I know the problem, but listen, I think it's a course worth teaching, frankly. So having seen the syllabus... But the problem with the Ramsey Centre is they want to control the course and say to the university, here are the teachers, here's the course, Look, we'll control it and you just put your university stamp on it at the end of it. Yeah. But that's, that's not, not how all universities say, operate. Trevor, that's not to say that what will be taught will be suspect or, or bad in any way. But Maybe they just wanted to hire the people they thought were the best experts in each particular subject. So you're okay with it? I'm okay with it. Wow. Mm, I'm not. You're happy for a university to say, there's the building, do what you like, we'll give you a rubber well, stamp and at the end. Look, the part of the reason is because I've seen the rot that has set in in the humanities mm, in our universities. Yeah, don't even start. And they've been taken over by left-wing social mm, justice mm -hmm, warriors and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think it's about time the universities had a bit more of a, um, a, a swing towards neutrality. You know, the Ramsey Centre could conduct that course yeah. any day of the week. Where? At the Ramsey Centre Education Centre. Okay, but people And off know. you go. But th no, what do they want? They want to have the imprint mature Sydney, University Sydney University or whatever whacked yeah. on it. Well, well, if you want that, then you have to cede control to the Sydney University. And they know what would happen to the course if they cede control to Sydney University. If they don't value the Sydney University's involvement, then they shouldn't be there. Perhaps. If, if they're like, can't trust you guys to you'll but be some interfere with our course. some are still negotiating with them, so clearly mm. some universities are willing to uh, take their money. Just quickly, new topic. Mm. Uh -huh. Gold Coast young LNP leader suspended. Right. So yeah. there was a video of these guys who yeah. are members of the LNP mm. who are at schoolies interviewing um, students. And I'm going to play a clip from that. So uh, have a listen to this one. Uh, yep. Personally, I'm fed up with having all these sports stars stand out on our stages and not sing the national anthem. They're putting our Australian jumper on. They're going to sing the anthem. We've got to stop celebrating a culture that couldn't even invent the bloody wheel, for God's sake. And so the interviewer, Barclay McGann, um, who's chairman of the Gold Coast Young Liberals, was smiling as mm -hmm. his mate was saying that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and his mate who was saying that is some sort of a young LNP uh, volunteer of some sort. Mm -hmm. And the guy who took the footage 
um, they've all been suspended mm. from the LNP pending um, uh, President's Committee decision as to yeah. what to do with them. Yeah. And this is the party of free speech, top yes, man. indeed. What do you think of that? I think they should be able to say whatever the fuck they want to say. Frankly, yep. if they're stupid enough to say it, or well, if they I were to say it, they were if, being stupid. If they were to say it in an insensitive way, and uh, was it insensitive? Perhaps a little insensitive. I think we could call a it a little insensitive. insensitive. Yep. But basically, these guys were saying they've had a gutful of being told how to re- respond to, you know, having our indigenous culture forced upon them at every single public event. You know, and they're saying, look, okay. Uh, what was so great about it? And it's about time somebody asked. It certainly wasn't a racist comment. I don't think so it, either. It, it, it was they didn't say anything about people. They only said culture, yeah, right? exactly. And so, so why shouldn't they make a comment about a culture? Yeah, so indeed it's just an ideology, what they were basically uh, commenting on. And, well, people might decide, well, you're no longer a suitable leader for us at the next opportunity we're going to vote for somebody else. They might. But to actually ban them from the – or to suspend them or to discipline them and for that. Franklin was a little bit uh, half-hearted about what yeah. was going to happen to them. She didn't come out and say, oh, that's disgraceful. We've got to get rid of these people. You yeah. Because in her heart of hearts, I think she agreed with them. Well, there's also Possibly. people that she needs as buddies who agree with them. Well, so she's maybe that happy. too. Yeah. Right. But I, I found myself sympathising with them, I have to say, because I thought, for goodness sake, it's about time. And, and we've criticised Indigenous culture on this program and, mm-hmm. and we're not criticising the people. We're saying, no, let's embrace the people but discard some of the, um, defu- the what's the word I'm looking for, the, the parts of the culture that are no longer relevant in the, in the 21st century. Yes. And that, I think that's what these guys were getting at. They were saying... We're, we're, we're told we have to respect this Stone Age culture that didn't invent the wheel. All they had was sticks that they threw at their, you know, their game animals. That, that. And, and seriously, technologically, it was a Stone Age culture. They might have been fine people and they, can, they are fine people. Why not? Just as fine as us. We embrace the people. We reject the culture. It's like, you know, our ancestors were the same. Our ancestors were, were hunter-gatherers. And, you know, we, we, we discarded the culture as we developed technologically. It's not like we're, we're, we're shaming our ancestors by doing that, are we? Mm-hmm. Can I tell you, I'm halfway through Dark Emu. Oh, are you? Mm, yes. And how is it going? I'm finding it very interesting. Okay. So uh, um, are you aware of Dark Emu at all? I have no idea why. Okay, so this is a book by Bruce Pascoe where mm. he talks about uh, indigenous civilization, and he calls it civilization again. Yes, yes. It wasn't a civilization. Well, well, the, the main um, thing I'm finding is uh, probably opened my eyes in terms of their ability to fish. Like some of the systems they had in terms of fishing, was, great was quite ingenious in, hunter, in, hunting and gathering. Indeed, it's not a civilization. And it doesn't in, make it a civilization. Yes. And in terms of some of their huts. You know, were in buildings, kind of teepee-like structures yeah. with clay sort of yeah. thatch roof sort of stuff. But yep. were they widespread? I've, but, I'm under the impression that if, yeah. if they existed, they were fairly yeah. rare. Yeah. But in terms of agriculture, which is the one that really interested me and uh, his ability to prove that they 
conducted some sort of agriculture is not convincing. No. And it's taken me quite a while because as I'm reading, if there's a footnote, I'm then having to try and follow the footnote. And these are often the diaries of explorers or whatnot. And it's interesting, a lot of it's online that you can mm-hmm. just Google and, oh, and get yeah. the diary of Mitchell yeah. and, and go to the page and stuff. Right. And so I'm finding that quite interesting actually, oh. looking at the – so uh, at some stage, yeah, probably I'll, in the new year, I will have a dark in-year revisited. Yeah. Yes. Um, so he's – so far, I'm halfway through it, I'd say he's overstated and uh, in terms of – The agriculture agri- part in terms of is agriculture. Stretch, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's also – Querying about, he's sort of suggesting that that mankind inhabited Australia up to 120,000 years ago, which is way beyond the DNA evidence and yeah. the, the sort of out of Africa theories that have. Yeah, I've heard him say that. Yeah, mm. and he's quite. Most people accept quite, sixty or so thousand. Yeah, mm. so he's. But he, do you know the feeling I get? That mm. one of the reasons he's latched onto this idea of of demonstrating that they had agriculture allegedly is that he think that he thinks that gives them greater legitimacy as a culture in terms of greater equity as well, a culture well, with well, the okay. Europeans. And I get that. Well, part of it he's saying is that uh, there was this theory out of England which was in order to keep land, you you know, they, they would... You had to till the soil. land grants. Mm. You had to improve the land, mm. put structures on there, mm. grow crops, do stuff with the land in yeah. order to hold it. And and he's saying that one of the reasons why early settlers were um, why happy to take over the land, the dispossessed, people, yeah. was because there was no, no improvement. improvement of the land. And his his argument is, well, that's a falsity. It was mm. it was. Uh, a false picture painted because it made it easier to say we're taking this land because you're not using it. So it was a, a deliberate cover-up. Indeed, because it made it easier to take the land mm. because mm. under English law if you hadn't um, okay. hadn't yeah. improved it, then you had less claim to it. So, so that's, has a, that's a legal That's what he agenda. says is the motivation yeah. for what he says okay. was a, a misrepresentation mm. of it. So anyway, quite interesting mm. and I read two it sent me down all these different rabbit holes, and I'll talk about them in the year. Did you see Alice down so, there? Yeah. One of them was this lady who lived with Indigenous tribes for about 40 years in Western Australia, and they were a really kind of desert remote culture, and terrible things were happening in that. Oh, this is Daisy Bates. Yes. Yes. Did you read that? I've just read snippets. Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite. In fact, I was going to order the book. Yeah. Yeah. That was quite shocking. But then I read this other one. There was this um, French guy who was a uh, cabin boy on a ship that got uh, shipwrecked in Cape York Mm -hmm. and he ended up living with an Indigenous community for about 17 years, got taken in. Yeah. And so the story that paints is entirely different to (laughs) the one that Daisy Bates paints. So obviously plentiful food Mm. in Cape York, like just... Fish sure. almost jumping out of the That's creeks right. yeah. that they could eat. Barramundi and everywhere. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, big variation. Mm. But there was an escaped convict too, wasn't there? Um, Buckley. William Buckley, was he? No, Buckley never got anywhere. No, but, well, he was in Victoria. 
He, he was an what escaped was convict yeah. and he lived with the convicts for something like 20 or so years. With the Indigenous? Yeah. I didn't think he uh, did. Not with the convicts, I, I mean oh, with the Indigenous I didn't people. think he did. Oh, yes. Apparently he did. I thought because when we say you've got Buckley's chance, yes. it means you've got no chance. I know. I'm not sure I'd, I'd, why we say that. No, but I, apparently he did. He, okay. he, he ran away from the prison or the guards, whoever right. he was with, right. and he came across some Indigenous people and they accepted him and he lived with them for right. quite a number of years. And so he also later at some point um, recorded his experiences and right. his impressions of their culture. Right. Okay. Well... It's been a long one. It has been. Yeah. Now, before we go, I've got to give a shout-out to someone who lives in Wales. Okay. Yes. Abigail Cole. She's a first-year international politics student at the University of Aberystwyth. I think I said that right, probably. And she has made it and she has listened to us so much that we are now in her top five on Spotify. Quite right. Absolutely. Very good. good. Thank you very much, Abigail. Also, thank you to a new patron, Wayne, who uh, made a contribution via PayPal. Thank you, Wayne. I've got a Christmas present request from the listeners, Mm. and that is when you're meeting up with relatives or other people over the break and you start talking about news and politics, sex and religion or whatever, at some point, could you please say to them, you know what? I'm listening to this great podcast, The Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. <laughs> Have you ever heard of it? And if they haven't, then you, I don't we just to say, uh, you really should listen to them. It's, mm. it's quite good. You need to grab the person's phone, find the podcast app, and search for us and it. subscribe and mm. say to them, there it is. Now, here, mm. here's my favourite episode. Like, because at the point that you do it, maybe the episode we just done wasn't a good one. Like, mm. uh, so just scroll through and say, look, episode number 227 or whatever, that was a good one. I recommend you look at it. So, so dear listener, if you are a fan of the podcast, mm. that's what I'd like you to give us for Christmas mm. is to introduce at least one person to the podcast, grab their phone, make, it, uh, make their app subscribe, and uh, that will make us very happy. Very good suggestion. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. And we'll have a whole bunch of new Russian subscribers. <laughs> well, I have, given, I have told some of my friends about this, so I'm, I'm expecting some comments from them a little bit and later right. on. Okay. And Mark's taking a trip to Germany as well yeah, in yeah, the near future, yeah, so maybe so. you can establish a fan I'll base look, in Germany um, too. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Do your best, okay. And yeah. speak to your Polish-speaking friend about Oh, I will to... see her probably tomorrow. Okay, so good. I promise you I will. Let Paul know. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. It's been a long one. We'll Thanks. talk to you next week. Bye thank for now. You. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Next time. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said and... When you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and, uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you... Go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon. 
and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really, the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to, I think, $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, Is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.